Wildfires are unpredictable and hard to control. You might already know that changing weather patterns are producing more extreme fire events, which means that wildfires are becoming even harder to suppress. We're seeing this right now in Australia, and we saw it late last year in California. The most vivid example in Canada was probably the Fort McMurray fires a few years back. But do you know why they're harder to put out? Today, we hear from someone who started his career by fighting fires on the ground. Now, he's turned his sights to the sky. We're about to find out how a satellite the size of a dishwasher could radically change the way we fight fires in Canada. Welcome to a new episode of the Simply Science Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Hool. Yes, you heard right. No more Ask an Arcan, no more natural elements. Moving forward, all of our podcast episodes will fall under the umbrella of Simply Science. Why are we doing this? Well, we just want to simplify things. You really have to appreciate the irony that a podcast channel named Simply Science would go out of its way to confuse its audience by having a different name for every type of podcast that we do. So basically, this is what happens when you've been a bureaucrat for a little too long. So what we're going to do is we're bringing everything back under the Simply Science banner. And what does this mean? Well, for one, we're not going to be tied to specific formats which will give us a little bit more creative freedom. We can change things up once in a while. We can bring in more guests, maybe have a different host, uh, go live on location. We want to have some fun with this. We want to push the boundaries and explore different ways of doing things. Our scientists and our experts here at Natural Resources Canada do really cool and amazing things. And we want to share their stories and their work in the best way that we can. But we also want to hear from you, too. Let us know if there's stories you want us to cover, guests you'd like to be interviewed. We know you're out there, so don't be shy. We're still going to be releasing two episodes per month, so make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Okay, I think that's enough exposition and self-promotion. Maybe we should actually start the show. Joining me in studio today is Barb Ustina, Editor-in-Chief for Simply Science. Barb, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. It sounds like there are a lot of exciting changes coming to Simply Science podcasts in, in the days ahead, days and weeks and months ahead. Yeah, it's great. I like the fact that we're actually in the studio together in front of our microphones at the same time and not just one at a time. It's a lot, it's, it's a bit of a treat. Yeah, exactly. We can make eye contact yeah, exactly. you know, while we're talking to each other. So that's that's special. Yeah, I like how we use the term studio, but uh, we're basically yeah. in the closet. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not really, yeah, I shouldn't have, not studio. It's like the closet. Yeah, although maybe we don't want to ruin the illusion for our, our audience, but... <laughs> Anyways, let's get to the topic at, ha mm -hmm. at hand. Um, so, okay, you currently live in Ottawa, but you used to live in both Alberta and BC for a long time, right? Were you ever personally affected by wildfires? Well, I, I wasn't really personally affected by wildfires, but I was in BC um, in 2017 and 2018. And those were two truly horrific fire seasons in, in that province. And w I think it was 2017, I, I was working for the, the BC government 
And I was actually stationed at the emergency uh, control center in Kamloops uh, during one of the fires in BC. And that's where we sort of, we monitored all the communications. We, we uh, sort of monitored the resources, the planes going out and everything. And, and it was really remarkable to see at the ground level, um, how people are affected by fires and everything from wildlife control. You know, farmers would con- contact us saying, all, all my wildlife got out of the fences and we've got to round them up. So, and everything, you know, trying to save people uh, driving down roads that are now uh, blocked by fires. So it was sort of uh, just that experience seeing it firsthand was, was interesting. And also, you can feel it in the air quality when you're just walking outside and, you know, the sky's pilky. It's sort of got a yellow tinge to it. Your throat kind of gets a bit dry and, and any kind of allergies act up, that sort of thing. So so that's kind of it. Um, I did know a couple of people who lived in fire uh, centers, like uh, in communities that were really affected by fires. Like there's one gentleman I knew who, who purchased a house and he was ev- evicted one year because of a wildfire. So he moved to another house the next year and then that year he was also evicted due oh to a wildfire. My. So, wow. so it's, it's hard to imagine unless you actually see it up close. For sure, I was gonna use the, the, the term intense, but I think that's an understatement. Yeah, I guess the truth is that fires are dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we all know how powerful and devastating wildfires can be. And in 2019, Canada actually had a pretty average fire season. Uh, So that was a bit of a relief for those areas that have seen a lot of fire activity in the past. But that's not the case uh, worldwide. Uh, You already mentioned the fires in Australia and California. There were fires in the Amazon. So so really, it it is a global concern. And fires destroy homes, businesses, entire communities. Uh, Fort McMurray is still rebuilding. The immediate damage we see on social media is dramatic, but there's also long-term economic damage that can extend years into the future. Fires wipe out forests and wildlife. So, yes, uh, there is a move to protect our forests and manage any threats. It's a huge undertaking, and nature isn't always cooperative. So let's put things into perspective. I have a quick question for you, Joel. Just uh, off the top of your head, mm-hmm. can you imagine how much vegetation is uh, destroyed in Canada in any average fire season? Uh, what metrics are we using? Uh, square kilometers, maybe? Square kilometers. Uh, I don't know, like 5,000? That's a pretty good guess, but you're off by probably 20,000 square kilometers. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. In an average year, wildfires destroy about 25,000 square kilometers across Canada. And uh, let's put that into perspective. That's about the equivalent of half the size of Nova Scotia. So that's Half the size of Nova Scotia? Yes, every single year. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Wow. That is incredible. What are we doing here at Natural Resources Canada to try to... Um, address this issue? Well, you know, NRCAN has a very important role. Our scientists constantly look for ways to improve how fires are predicted and how they're managed once they get started. In fact, NRCAN is considered a world leader in fire research and has been for decades. So you have a specific initiative that you wanted to talk about today. Um, What can you tell us about the Wildfire SAD project? It's a cross-government collaboration bringing together scientists from NRCAN with experts from the Canadian Space Agency and Environment and Climate Change Canada. And together, uh, they're developing the first ever satellite made specifically to monitor fires. This is the first one in the world ever. 
So it will use artificial intelligence to analyze satellite images, and it will do all of this in near real time. Now, this is a big deal for firefighters on the ground because they'll get reliable information about how a fire is spreading, and that way they'll be able to plan ahead for resources. Um, and all this from a satellite basically the size of a dishwasher in orbit around 800 kilometers from the Earth's surface. Although it doesn't launch for, oh, maybe five years or so, work is already well underway. To learn more about wildfires and the Wildfire SAP project, we reached out to Dr. Joshua Johnson from the Great Lakes Forestry Centre in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. As a former fire ranger himself, Josh knows a thing or two about fighting fires. Let's hear what he has to say. Right now, when we fight fires in, in our country and in many other countries around the world, uh, we use this model called the initial attack, which means that they want to find fires really small, really early in their life, and then just aggressively put them out as fast as they can. It's a really effective way of doing it, but it doesn't always hold up because eventually you just have too many small new fires to keep up with them, and a few of them escape. And those ones that escape are the real problem ones. Those small persistent fires are the ones that can eventually cause the most damage, and if left unchecked, they can quickly grow into dangerous infernos but it's impossible to track every single small fire. And that's why things get out of hand. Normally what's happening is there's so many small fires that people, well, the whole system gets overwhelmed, right? So they're out there fighting fires and they're succeeding, but there's just more fires than firefighters. And so those ones that take a walk on you, they're the ones that cause the real problem, like uh, the Fort McMurray fire, this is where the wildfire sat comes in, providing near real-time intelligence. Details like the height of the flames, the heat of the fire, how deep a fire extends into the Earth's surface. It will measure smoke plumes, monitor air quality, and even determine how much carbon is being emitted. It's the kind of crucial information firefighters can't get their hands on right now. Josh explains. Right now, the only real way to get that information is to put somebody in an aircraft and fly them over the fire. Somebody who has a lot of experience with fire and they will make a visual assessment of what they see. And what we're aiming to do and what we will do is provide that sort of report for every fire in the country and the late afternoon daily. So instead of having to dedicate aircraft and experienced people to just go and do reconnaissance, we're going to do a comprehensive national reconnaissance with a satellite. And that'll actually help them prioritize fires, and it'll free up the resources for more important jobs. Josh has been building systems that use remote sensing data for nearly a decade. He believes artificial intelligence is the way of the future. But first, Josh and his team have to train the technology. So what we're doing right now is this, interesting little branch of uh, artificial intelligence called computer vision, where we're actually just teaching our computers how to look at a picture and interpret it the way a person would. So for wildfire set, that's a major step forward. And it's something that hasn't been done in, well, in any of the satellites that are able to look at fires. So what we're aiming to do and what we've actually just begun in the last few weeks is we're developing an artificial intelligence system that will look at the raw data 
it's as it's coming into the satellite and make an assessment about whether or not there's actually a fire underneath it. And if there is a fire underneath it, it's going to prioritize that data and get it out the door even faster. This is just the beginning. AI capabilities continue to grow rapidly, and eventually the wildfire sat will even be able to provide direction on the best way to fight a particular fire, whether by ground crews, bulldozers, or air attacks. Once we do detection, we then get into this whole other realm of products that are based on sort of the remote sensing physics and the combustion dynamics to make assessments of how that fire is burning and and not just have a picture that says there's a fire here, but to break it down to the deepest parts where we can tell you how long the flames are and we can tell you whether or not you can actually use a water bomber to suppress that or if it's safe for ground crews to be there. And then we're building a whole other suite of programs that will actually sit on top of that and they will take that information and tell you how long do you have before this fire reaches a community and, you know, sort of bring it to the simplest, most digestible piece of information for, uh, for a fire manager to understand. It's all part of the job for Josh, but this is an all-hands-on-deck effort. The Canadian Space Agency leads, while Josh is in charge of a 24-person NRCAN team. There's also input from academics, fire managers, and provincial agencies. They're developing world-class tools for a -a one-of-a-kind satellite, but when you get right down to it, it's the same kind of work NRCAN has focused on for decades. New tools, same goals. When I talk about the fire growth modeling and sort of understanding how fire behavior connects to suppression and to risk, that's what our agency is. We've always been experts in that. And so what we're really doing is taking that old fundamental fire suppression science and this emerging technology and emerging, you know, sort of methodology with the AI side of it and the um, and all of the new algorithm engineering for remote sensing. And we're merging it all together into one sort of comprehensive intelligence tool. We've we've got a big team of really motivated people and what we're planning to do is basically take everything that we were already doing and kind of operationalize it in one direction. So in a lot of ways, uh, WildfireSat is actually just giving focus to a lot of the work that we've already been doing. So Joel, as you can imagine, there's a lot of interest in this work. He's already had calls from countries around the world, including Australia. He's in touch with their fire management agencies and their space agency. These are very difficult times. No one wants to see what's happening in Australia happen again. Josh, for his part, is taking it one step at a time. Remember, it will be several years before WildfireSat is even launched. And in the meantime, we continue to fight fires the only way we know how. And it should be noted that many dedicated Canadian firefighters are bravely offering assistance to folks in Australia. This is a very interesting and important topic. Thank you, Barb, for sharing it with us. It's just one of the stories about the really important science we're doing at NRCAN. So happy to share it with you and happy to be here. Good. If you guys out there want to learn more about the Wildfire Sat mission, uh, do check out the links in the episode description. If you like the episode, please subscribe to our channel. You can also leave a review or share this episode with family, friends, neighbors, random people you meet on the streets. Basically, what we're trying to do is grow our podcast so every little bit helps. 
Simply Science also has a website and a YouTube channel, which I recommend that you check out. We have in-depth articles and interesting videos that showcase the fascinating scientific work that we do at Natural Resources Canada. And you can find those links in the episode description as well. And last but not least, uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter. I'm at at Joel Science. Uh, Barb, are you following me on Twitter? I am. Really? Because you haven't noticed? Are I, you following me on I was, Twitter? I was, yeah, I was going to call you out saying that you don't, but you know, that kind of ruins I my plans do, at the yeah. end there. Anyways, you guys do like Barb. Follow me on Twitter. And I just want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.